Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Beautiful hymn, and of course, this truly is our Father's world. Amen. 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 I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue in our study in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we didn't quite get uh, all the way through uh, the message uh, last week, so we'll do a, a quick... Um, review there, and uh, then the last half of the message, or the last section of, of that message, and then move on uh, into, uh, into the passage uh, for, for today. But Matthew chapter 5, and then uh, beginning at uh, verse 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek Turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, 
what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you thought of everything and you provided everything. Everything that we need, you have provided to us. Forgive us, Lord, when we take those things for granted. Forgive us. For often we take you and your love for granted. Thank you for being patient and so forgiving, so caring and so kind. And thank you, Lord, for loving us, loving us so that you tell us the truth. And we pray that as your children, we will love you and one another. sharing the truth, living the truth, and upholding the truth, that we might honor you and exalt the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We pray for every person and every family represented here and listening over the internet by podcast. Anyone, Lord, struggling, under the burden of sin and guilt, we pray that they'll discover the wonderful love and forgiveness that you offer. And anyone who is lost, we pray that they'll come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and discover the wonderful gift of eternal life that is found in him. Now, Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit, speak to us, teach us out of your Holy Word, for the glory of the Lord Jesus. In his holy name we pray, giving thanks. Amen. Amen. So how healthy is your heart? And we, we looked at that uh, last week uh, very uh, uh, carefully. We want to um, remind everyone here and listening that sin is a, a heart condition. And Jesus says in several places within this sermon, you've heard it said by those of old, referring to, to former teachers, teachers of the law, rabbis and, and such. But I, Jesus speaking of himself, and he could say that, why? Because he's the living word of God. He is God the Son and he has all authority. Over in the 28th chapter in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, he tells the disciples, all authority in heaven above and on the earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach them whatsoever I have taught you. And so he speaks with authority. And now, over in the Old Testament, throughout the scripture, it teaches that God's children are to be moral people. We're to be faithful people to God and to our spouses and to our family. And he went and took it a step further and said that if you, if you merely look at another person and lust after them, 
then you've committed adultery in your heart. Because sin is a heart matter. And then, immorality, the heart condition, your thoughts matter. He spoke of the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the family. And all through the scripture, all through the scripture, we read that the, the family is sacred. It is a sacred design created by God. Over in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God brings the man and the woman together and he then commands them to be fruitful and to multiply. I don't read birth control in the scripture. That is a man-made design. And this idea of, you know, any more than two kids are too many. You ought to just have one, but now they're saying you shouldn't have any. Because the world is already too full. Well, I don't know, you know, when I drive from here to, to, uh, to Utah, I see a lot of barren land. Seems to be a lot of space up on the earth, you know. And the agriculturalists have actually told us that every year, every year, the earth produces enough food to, to feed more than 13 billion people. I don't know if you've heard that before. 13 billion, I think we're a little over 8 billion, right? And yet there are millions dying every day from starvation. Why? Because of man's greed and selfishness. But God ordained marriage and the family, he sanctified it, and he hasn't changed the design. Now, for those who, who choose to, to be unfaithful, there are some consequences. Broken lives, both of the parents and the children. Poor children that suffer. Emotional distress, disease, all of those things that are listed there. But then there are blessings. And last week I didn't have that on the slide, so we added that for you, okay? There are some blessings. Love. We all need love. We all need to be loved and cared for. God created us that way. Fulfillment. Tremendous, tremendous fulfillment in in a, in a happy marriage and happy family. Joy, laughter, purpose. Gives life purpose, meaning. How about long life? The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's a promise there. It's called the first commandment with promise. And it's, you, you honor your parents not just when they're alive, but all through your entire life, you honor your father and your mother. And then you leave a legacy for your own children and for others within your circle of influence. And then Jesus went on to say that you ought to keep your word. You ought to be a person of your word. People ought to know that they can depend upon your word. That your yes means yes and your no means no. And you shouldn't have to do a whole bunch of explaining. Okay? He says, don't swear to or by anything or by anyone. 
be a man or a woman of your word, be a person of honesty and integrity. And then we talked a little bit about covenants and agreements, oaths and, and, and promises. Promises, you know, like a parent makes to a child, doesn't carry a death sentence, you know. But oftentimes parents will, they'll make promises and then they're not able to keep them. And of course, then the kids are disappointed. So be very careful about what you promise. And oaths, we take oaths. Enter into the military, or you become a police officer, or a firefighter, or even a teacher. You, you get hired at a particular place of business, and you, you have to agree to certain uh, stipulations and uh, manner of conduct. Even students, you know, uh, when, when students enter college, they have to agree to the student code of conduct. And most of them don't read it. They just sign it, and, but they don't really read it. Because in the code of conduct, it says, you're going to study. <laughs> Imagine that. Go to, go to school, you're going to study. Right? You're going to read. And here's one. You're going to do your own work. In other words, you're not going to pay somebody to write the paper for you. Now, agreements, there are legal agreements and, and uh, other agreements and vows that are made at, you know, in weddings. I think I've done something in some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 weddings. It's a lot of weddings. Las Vegas is the wedding capital of the world. Okay? It, really, it really is. And the vows that, that uh, you know, couples enter, enter into. Covenants. And really, that is a covenant that a woman and a man enter into. In ancient times, and we mentioned this last week, they would take an animal and they would sacrifice it and they would divide it. And they would point to the animal and then point to God and they would say, basically, if I don't keep my covenant with you, may God make me as this animal is here. That was a covenant. And you see, God entered into a covenant with us. And he sent his son to die upon that cross. Demonstrating God's love and faithfulness. And we as his children are to live for him. Now going the extra mile, this eye for an eye. You know, today in our uh, court system, you have all these people who like to sue for emotional distress. And they, they win these exorbitant amounts of money. Not biblical. It is not biblical. That is based in greed. And nothing else. It is based in greed. The biblical way of doing it is is an eye for an eye, or in other words, you receive the damages equal to the damage that was done. You follow? So it was eye for eye, finger for finger, hand for hand. Ah, life for life. The Bible teaches capital punishment. People get all up in arms. The Bible teaches capital punishment. 
Because life is sacred, and if a man or a woman, a person, takes another one's life, they are to pay with their own life. The Bible teaches, God says, in this way you will keep evil from occurring in your community. Do you know why we're in the state that we're in? Because of all these bleeding hearts and all these liberals worried about offending someone? Yeah. Cheryl was telling me about a, a, a man, some 80-year-old man that was let out of prison not too long ago, two-time convicted murderer. Why was he let out at all? See, he shouldn't have been living to begin with. Because if he would have been, if his life had been taken the first time, he wouldn't have committed the second murder. But they let him out. So what does he do? He goes over to some assisted living place, I guess it was, and he, he somehow got some lady to, you know, let him into her apartment, etc. Well, you know those uh, scooters that they have at the grocery store? I, I guess he was on one of those. And he was riding on one of her legs. He had killed her. And he was in the store sitting on top of her leg. Now, uh, take, just, just picture that. Okay. And then they found her head and he had dismembered. Well, the Bible says, take someone's life, you pay with your life. Well, resisting evil, self-defense, vengeance. The Bible teaches that man's wrath does not work the righteousness of God. We are not to take vengeance on anyone. We are not to take revenge. <laughs> vengeance is mine, says the Lord of hosts. I will repay. We are to leave people in God's hands. Yes, we're to confess, Lord, in my heart I want to go down there and I want to do this and this and this and this, but I know that I'm not supposed to do that. Therefore, I pray for the person's salvation. I pray that they'll come to know the Lord as their Savior. I pray that their life will be transformed transform my heart because I'm not filled with love toward that person right now. We're to pray for them. And then how and when to give. As Jesus says here, from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now he's, remember that he's speaking in the context of the believing family. For the family of God, your brothers and sisters. This whole sermon is within that context. But that doesn't mean that we should be stingy with people who are not Christian either. You follow? But how and when to give? Well, first of all, you are supposed to ensure that your family is taken care of. And if you read over in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 to 8, he says that anyone who first doesn't take care of their family is worse than an unbeliever. 
an infidel. And some, some translations use the word infidel, but it means unbelievers. What? You mean to tell me I'm supposed to take care of my family first? Yes, that is what the Bible teaches. You are supposed to ensure that your family has everything it needs. If not, you are irresponsible with what God has given. You see, if everyone took care of their own family, there would be no families in need. Right? This idea that you have to take care of somebody else's family, uh-uh. No, the Bible says you take care of your family. You're to take care of those within your family. Then, over in James it says, if you see a brother or a sister who is in need, ah, again, brother or sister, he's talking about within the family, the family of God in need, and you have the wherewithal to help them, then you should help them. He says, how can you, you know, you, you see someone, they, they need help, and you say, well, you, you go on, and, and, you know, I'm going to pray for you. He says, no, you're supposed to do more than just pray for them. If they need a coat, give them a coat. If they need a pair of shoes, give them a pair of shoes. And I've shared this before, and I'll, I'll share this again. Teachers, teachers in the public school system, you know, they often get a bad rap. And I tell you what, the teachers that I've worked with, they have bought clothes for their students. And they see a child coming in and needing, they, out of their own pockets, buy them clothes and shoes and coats and you, you, you name it. And then, Oftentimes, the, the, the lunch lady, that's what we always called her, the, you know, the, the manager of the cafeteria, the kids referred to her as the lunch lady, she would come to me and she'd say, well, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, they don't have any money in their account, because, you know, parents are supposed to give the money, uh, put it on account so the kids can buy their lunches. So we set up, we had a little student store where we would ser uh, sell snacks during the lunch hour, and we set up a, a little fund that was there available for any child who didn't have money to pay because I didn't want any child going without food. And so if they didn't have money or their parents forgot to pay, we paid for it. We would send a letter and, and let the parent know, but we wouldn't deprive the child of, of eating. You follow? Because the parents were irresponsible. But you don't hear that in the news, do you? No. And right here in Clark County, if, if a child came to school and the teacher noticed that they were wearing the same clothes and that there might be an issue there, then a notice was given to the counselor and the counselor would, would then do a little investigation and then the child was designated to go to a, an organization called School Bell provided by the school district and all of these different, these different stores and companies here in, in the valley, they donate clothing. So these kids would be taken to School Bell, they go to this warehouse 
and they would receive a brand new wardrobe of clothing for an entire year, shoes, everything, all free. Do you ever hear about that in the news? They get backpacks and books, I mean, everything. Because still in America, America is still a very generous and we seek, we seek, yes, indeed, we give a clap. We seek to minister to those in need. It is our Judeo Christian foundation. And so we give as people in need. Now, Jesus goes on, and in that statement that he makes, it has been said, but I say, He's talking about correctly interpreting and also applying the scripture. So, love your enemies, he says. Oh, but we go back here and we, we read it here. It says, you've heard it said, verse 43, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible, in the, you know, in the commandments where it says hate your enemy, but that's what was being taught. And there are people who teach that today. Now, in this whole situation in Ukraine, who should you be praying for? Everyone. And especially for Putin. Praying that God will change his heart. Jesus says, you not only love your neighbors, but you're to love your enemies as well. Now, to love means to wish them well. You see, this flies in the face of the world, doesn't it? Because that's not what the world teaches. The world says, you get even. Right? You get even. No, you're to love them. Now, we're not talking about an emotional, you know, romantic love. That's, that's Hollywood, right? You're to wish them well. Treat them with respect and consideration. Seek their good to be a benefit to them. That's what it means to love your enemy. You say, now wait a minute. This guy that treat me like... Yes. You love them in spite of the way they are. And then he goes on. Bless. Now what does it mean to bless? It means to speak well of, to invoke a blessing or benediction upon that person. You say, wait a minute, this person is treating me this way? That is what he says here. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Someone curses you, curses you out. You bless them. You don't act like they act. You bless. Do good. Notice, do good to those who hate you. Now, to hate it, the, the word in the Greek carries this idea that they despise you and are quite vocal about it. Jesus says, do good. That is, to do what is morally correct, what is beneficial, to treat them well, to treat them kindly or with kindness. Mm. And he goes on, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. We, 
We studied some of the persecution this morning. The Apostle Paul knew all about being persecuted, and so did the Christians in the first century, as well as the second and the third, and every century since. He says to pray for. Now, that means to pray to God earnestly. The word that's used there, to pray earnestly on behalf of these people and for their welfare. You notice that? Hmm. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Demonstrating a redeemed and transformed nature. You know that the psychologists teach that uh, environment, basically, has a lot to do with the kind of person you will be. Nonsense. Now, the psychologists, they're you know, very smart, very intelligent people, but it's a bunch of nonsense. Because we were created in the image of God. You follow? It's very important. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. We're created in the image of God. That means that we're to be godly people, regardless of the environment. I recently heard the story of this one anthropologist. She was a student um, earning her PhD in anthropology, and she was studying all these different cultures. And you see, and they, they like to, to discuss the impact of culture and environment on an individual. And that with each culture and each environment, they establish their own mores and their own uh, definition of what is right. Well, she was sent to some tribe over in, in Africa, one of these countries, and she was, she was writing and observing. And in this particular tribe, village, when the girls reached a certain age, they were rounded up and taken into a tent. And then they were mutilated. Down deep inside of her heart, she said, I realize they're a different culture, they're a different, it's a different environment, but that is just wrong. You see, down inside of every human heart, in every life, whether the person is a believer or not, they are still created in the image of God. And down on the inside, there is a sense, there is a, a, a sensitivity to what is right and what is wrong, to what is kind and to what is cruel. And she wrote that in her paper, and of course, she was called on that. Who are you to judge those people and to, to say that what they were doing was wrong. You see, that's the way of the world. You follow? But we were created in God's image. Or to follow God's example of love. Choosing to love reveals a godly nature. Selfishness, retaliation, and hatred do not mirror the nature of God. If you have a hatred in your heart and, and desire to be to take out revenge on others who have, who, who have done something to you. You need to confess that and give it up. Because it's wrong for a Christian to be filled with that. Now with Jesus, 
says here, he says, If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors or the unbelievers do that? And, and if you greet only your brethren, what are you doing? And the, and the word there really is, there's nothing extraordinary about that. Now there are some people who are also upset with their family members all the time, right? Not only do they not like their neighbors, but they, they don't even care for the people in their own family. You know anyone like that? <laughs> okay. What he's saying is, live an extraordinary life. Unconditional love is the nature of the Father. Therefore, his children are to manifest his nature in their lives and interactions with all people. Genesis 1, 26, 27. We were created in God's image, both male and female. In God's image, according to his nature. And then over in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Do you know that there are unbelievers? There are actually unbelievers who live a life that is actually consistent with the Bible. Even though they don't believe in the Lord, yet they live a life that is consistent with the standard of the Bible. Even though they don't believe in God or attend church. And yet there are Christians who believe in God and attend church and live as though they're a child of the devil. And they're filled with all kinds of hatred. And then you'll find unbelievers who are as gracious and as honest as you'll ever find people anywhere. Because going to church doesn't make a person honest. And going to church doesn't make a person a Christian. And singing a hymn and all doesn't make a person a godly person. It is a matter of the heart. And what Jesus is talking about here when he says, Be ye therefore perfect as your, as your Father in heaven is perfect. In the Greek, it really refers to a complete mind and moral character that reveals spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Not one who lives by emotion, but one who lives by truth as revealed in God's holy word. You say, but there are some things in there that are difficult. Yes, there's a whole lot in here that's difficult. The Bible teaches that we are to live spirit-filled lives. Over in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. All of this is made possible by God the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We're to be people of love, joy, peace, patience, forgiveness. And the list goes on. Self-control. So what is Jesus teaching in this portion of the sermon? Because the sermon goes on for several chapters. What is Jesus teaching? Well, first, we're the children, or we are God's children. We are God's children. Now, generally speaking, most children look like their parents, like their biological parents. Every now and then, you know, someone might end up looking like their great-grandfather on their mother's side or something. 
<laughs> but generally, you look like and you, you share some of the same characteristics and personalities of your biological parents. I think, I think most people would agree with that. There's always someone who will argue, but, but most people would agree with that. Created in the image of your parents. For we are God's children. You follow me? We are God's children, and we are to resemble our Heavenly Father. We are to resemble God in our lives. Yes, people are to see something different about us. When we interact with people, they're to sense something different about us. So, you're God's children, therefore, number one, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Coming to church is not about you. Coming to church is about God. It's about worshiping Him and learning from Him and serving Him and living for Him. Get over yourself. Number two, love like the Father loves. And how does He love? He loves completely. He loves everyone. <laughs> this is what Jesus means when He says, Be like your Father. Love. Stop being selfish, hateful, vengeful, and retaliatory. So-and-so didn't do this for me, and so-and-so did this to me, and so-and-so. That is utter childishness. And self-conceit. <laughs> this idea that you're so important. No, God is the one who is important. Yes, we are important in his kingdom. But we shouldn't be, you know... No, it's about Him. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses for not measuring up. None of us measure up. Not one of us. But God has chosen to use us in spite of that. And He's filled us with His Holy Spirit, who is the one who empowers and enables us to do these things, to live this life that Christ is teaching. God, the Holy Spirit, choose to forgive everyone and anyone who has hurt you or others you love. And you read it over in Ephesians. He says, Beloved, you're to love, you're to forgive one another. As Christ, as God the Father has forgiven you in Christ. We've all been forgiven. Who in here has not committed some sin? Who in here has not failed at something? Who in here has not done something that we wish we could, we could change? And we're so, so forgiving of ourselves. Well, God and I have an understanding. <laughs> but you know, so-and-so, right? Hmm. So, 
submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and live a transformed life. A life that's transformed. Live an extraordinary life. Yes, to do all these things that Jesus teaches is to be an extraordinary human being created in the image of our extraordinary God. Amen? Amen. He is the only God. And He is the one who empowers His children to demonstrate His nature in their lives. Live a Holy Spirit-filled the only way that you can be filled with God the Holy Spirit is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To acknowledge that you're a sinner and He died on that cross. That He is the Son of God. He died and on the third day rose from the dead. He ascended on the 40th day and one day He's coming again. That He paid the penalty for our sin. To know Him, to bow down before Him and to love Him to adore Him, to worship Him, and to surrender and submit to Him and His Lordship. And then God the Holy Spirit illuminates. He gives us understanding. When we read the Word, we understand it. People say, well, I don't understand it. Well, show, show me, and I'll, I'll help you to understand it. Because God gives us the understanding. He didn't put it down in writing because He didn't want us to understand it. People say, well, I don't read that book because, you know, I can't understand it. God wants us to understand. God, the Holy Spirit, illuminates. He empowers. He gives us the ability. Uh, we read this morning where the Apostle Paul said, God emboldens us to share the message of the gospel in spite of opposition. Now notice this one. He empowers us to live a genuine Christian life. Not a make-believe Christian life. A genuine Christian life. How are the, uh, the, uh, the treasury agents trained to, to identify false currency, counterfeit bills? They're not trained by studying false currency. They're trained by mastering their knowledge of the real, genuine article. Because when you know the genuine article, that which is counterfeit is immediately perceived. See, if you were to ask Ginger right, to play a note on the piano, and if I were to sing that same note, she could tell you if I was flat, sharp, or in the center of the pitch. Is that not right? Okay. Well, we've got a lot of Christians who are living a Christian life that's a little on the flat side. <laughs> they need to come up and be natural in the genuine article. Well, we're running out of time. So, C. Glorify God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Glorify God in all you do and in all you say. And this last statement here. Sin is a hard condition. And someone has said, God is the surgeon and the Bible is the scalpel. We're going to sing the hymn of invitation.
Where do you find yourself today? In any of these conditions? Give it to the Lord. Be honest with yourself and with Him. Forgive. Forgive. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.